You are listening to the Start, Grow, Pivot podcast, the episode where you learn how to stop letting your body get in the way of your business. So welcome back to the podcast. Long time no see. It's been a little bit over here and we've had a bit of a rebrand from the Well and Kind podcast to the Start, Grow, Pivot podcast, which really just reflects my change in, you know, who tends to reach out to me. Um, instead of just being a general life coach, I have transitioned into business coaching for women entrepreneurs which if you know a little bit about my background in commercial lending is really a great fit. And so I'm really excited about that. So the Start, Grow, Pivot podcast is all about helping women entrepreneurs get their business going with business plans and strategies, growing their business, including, um, you know, things like how to get a business loan. Um, which of course is right up my alley, and then also how to pivot, because especially after 2020, this is a common thing where a lot of us are looking to pivot in different ways, and that can bring up a lot of drama, let's be honest. Um, So that's what I'm all about. I'm your host, Katie Gray, and welcome back. I love having this podcast. I'm glad to bring it back. Um, And I'm super excited for this particular episode because I had the privilege of interviewing Alicia Carlson for this episode. So Alicia is a non-diet lifestyle coach, and she's the founder of The Strong Her Way. That's strong, H-E-R, way. So she works with women using her non-diet approach to food, fitness, and life transformation to help her clients create a healthy and balanced lifestyle without dieting, deprivation, or restriction. She teaches women how to radically love themselves, their bodies, and their lives. And I thought it was such a cool thing to have her on this podcast, even though our businesses are very different and our, you know, the the women that we help completely different. But, oh my goodness, do you notice how much the way that you feel about your body influences the way you feel and even the way that you show up in your business? We both really noticed this, and so I really wanted to have her on to talk about body image, um, some of the toxic thoughts that we tell ourselves, you know, being seen, putting ourselves out there as part of um, running a business. Like, we have to do that, but a lot of times we don't feel confident doing that. She is going to share some of the tools that she's used to overcome some of her limiting beliefs and toxic thought patterns. We're going to talk about processing emotions. Um, We're going to talk about coping mechanisms and shame and guilt and decision fatigue and just so much that's really going to help you um, kind of get over some of those hurdles, understand where they come from, and just really open your eyes to all of the ways that Those thoughts that you might have about your body are really sneaking in to your business and the way that you approach your life in general. So with that, let's dive in. I cannot wait to hear what you think about this episode. So welcome to the show, Alicia. Um, Can you share a little bit about 
just you and your journey and how you got into nutrition. Yeah. Um, well, first, thank you so much for having me. It is a privilege and an honor to be here with you today. Um, a little bit, I guess, kind of, well, I guess like the coaching that I work that I do now is definitely a result of like the personal stuff that I went through. Um, so with regards to like nutrition and exercise and body image stuff, uh, that was definitely an area that I struggled with a ton um, growing up. I wouldn't say like, I probably wasn't as focused or as concerned about like the nutrition and the exercise in middle school and high school, but definitely the body image stuff of being really um, insecure and self-conscious about my body, um, kind of comparing it to my friends at that those particular ages and just kind of always feeling like my body looked a little bit different or, you know, definitely comparing to magazines and celebrities at that point, because there wasn't social media or the influencers that we see and that we have access to so much now. So I think, um, you know, for me, that was really kind of where that stemmed from, where that started and uh, led to kind of some unhealthy behaviors around nutrition and exercise uh, in my body. And it was, I think really kind of in this desperation of wanting to be in shape, quote unquote, for my wedding day, that kind of catapulted the journey, like kickstarted this journey, even though it was kind of derived from an unhealthy place. It's been really cool to kind of see like how that's unfolded and how that really has just kind of led me to deeper work, I think, around mindset, um, around my relationship with myself and food and exercise that I don't know that I would have necessarily gone down that path had there not been sort of the unhealthy relationship in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And thank you for sharing all that. I think that that is a story that a lot of us can relate to, um, especially as women. It's just, we are fed so many images of the quote unquote perfect body and what we quote unquote should look like mm -hmm. that it can be really hard to feel that you're good enough and that you're worthy and that, um, that you don't need to change, you know, that mm -hmm. you are wonderful and beautiful the way that you are. And I'm so happy for you that you've gotten to a point where it is coming from a really healthy place. And I want to, I want to dive into a little bit, you mentioned kind of like the relationship with yourself evolving. Um, throughout this journey. Can you speak a little bit more to that and and how I guess that relationship with yourself translates into your business? Yeah. Um, so I guess like having a relationship with myself wasn't something that was really even on my radar until I really started to dig in and do the coaching work. Um, and mm -hmm. just learning from my mentors, I think the importance of you know, what it is that I believe to be true about myself or what it is that I think about myself. And that really like in a nutshell is kind of how I just define a relationship, right? It's like, it's a culmination of all the thoughts, the feelings, the beliefs that you have about yourself, if we're talking about the relationship with ourself um, or your partner or food or exercise. And so it really is just kind of digging in and sort of cracking the shell to see like, okay, if I sit and I think about myself, like what are all the things that kind of come to mind about me. And I think, you know, over the last few years, there's been like maybe more positive things that have come up. 
but even just kind of digging in and doing a little bit more work kind of in depth to really understand myself and understand why I behave the way that I do or why I think the way that I do. Um, I was surprised to find that there were still some pretty toxic and kind of rude, mean things that I would still think about myself or, um, you know, think that maybe I shouldn't be so loud or I shouldn't, um, you know, command attention when I walk into a room or I shouldn't be so opinionated or ambitious as a woman. Um, I think especially like with my faith background, there were some twisting, I think a little bit of, you know, what, what it means to be a woman or to be an ambitious woman. And so there's been a lot of untangling, I think around that. Um, and then it was a second part of that, how that I see that playing into my business. Yeah, because certainly like if you have these toxic thoughts or you have this relationship with yourself or your body, that's unhealthy. I'm, I'm just feeling like, and, and this is like my own personal life, but I'm just feeling like that really hinders your ability to market yourself, to have the confidence to sell yourself and, you know, meet people, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the, the coach that we both work with, Stacey Bayman, meet people, tell them you're a coach, make offers to help them. Like that still takes a level of self-concept. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious, like how this journey fed into, you know, your success as a coach. Yeah, definitely. There's that. Um translation, right? So whether it's my relationship with myself in terms of like just what my body looks like or my weight or, you know, the size of clothes that I wear or whatever, or even like how I'm showing up as a mom or a wife, like all of that stuff gets carried into how I'm showing up as a coach, how I'm showing up in my business to market myself. And so when I think there's this lack of clarity, first and foremost, about what you truly believe about yourself at the core then you are subconsciously kind of taking all of that baggage, all of those negative thoughts or beliefs or projections that other people have put onto you. You're taking all of that into every other area of your life or or your kids. And so to really like just have some awareness about what you think about you as a person and like how you show up in the world, that really does impact the way that you are going to show up and put yourself out there on social media Um, I'm even finding it's like the more at home and comfortable I get with just being me, the less pressure that I'm feeling when it comes to like creating content, because it really is just like coming out of like lived experiences, rather than trying to put out there like what you think people want to hear or what you think is going to be the thing that really speaks to a client. It's, it's kind of just like tearing that veil, I guess, a little bit. And it's just, it really has allowed me to kind of relax into my business, um, which when I think about, you know, future me, like running the business of my dreams, relaxed is an emotion that I oftentimes come back to. And it's just a sense of like calm and just certain and there's no rush and really just like this place of contentment. So um, it's finding that I think as much as I can and the more that I get to know myself and accept like the parts about me that maybe I I've been criticizing and judging for so long, the easier it is to, to really just bring that into my business. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I feel like, especially watching you on social media, one of the things that sticks out to me is how authentic you are. And I think that that really speaks to all of this work that you've done, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can show up as yourself unapologetically um, and just be secure in, 
in who you are and the stories you tell. And like you said, then you just get to a place of more relaxed feeling when you can share your story without all of the drama, all of the mind drama that would go along with like, how does this sound? And is this okay to say? And all of the mm-hmm. other things that tend to come up for us when we when we want to put ourselves out on social media. And I'm really curious about what you said, um, how you ha- initially you had thought you had done a lot of work on it, and then you uncovered some really, um, you said toxic, um, you know, just unhelpful thoughts about putting yourself out there or or getting attention, which of course we know we need as entrepreneurs. So. I'm curious, can you walk me through your journey of like how you discovered those thoughts? And then once you brought those thoughts to light, like how did you shift into um, a more positive uh, mindset or how did you kind of like neutralize some of those thoughts? Yeah. So I went through a process um, with my coach or one of my coaches and it really was kind of just writing the story of me and it was really like the first part of it was kind of looking at my past and the way that I grew up. Um, maybe the way that I've been, you know, in my life up to this point. And it was just kind of like this free flowing journal exercise that I did for several days in a row. And it was just to kind of like eke out as much as I could of just writing about my life, writing about myself, writing about what do I think about me And then what was interesting for myself was to kind of go back through and look for kind of patterns of like, maybe it didn't sound the same, or I didn't write it the same every single time. But it was like looking for those underlying thoughts or beliefs, and kind of lumping those together to just really bring awareness to that. And, you know, then I think I think sometimes like in the mindset work, or really in anything, I see this a lot too, with clients that are specifically wanting to like lose weight or change something about their body there's this rush to like hurry up and get to the body or get to the size or, um, you know, in the emotional world, it's like getting to a place of where you just feel better that sometimes we just need to sit with the awareness of like, Oh, this is like something that I've been like operating on and believing was true about me. Like maybe I don't need to rush into trying to fix this or trying to change this because when we do that, we come from that place of desperation, that place of graspiness. And we're just looking for the quick fix, right? This is like the diet mentality where it's like, I saw the cellulite or I saw the number on the scale and I just need to hurry up and like get rid of the cellulite, shrink my body a little bit. And then we're desperate, like reaching for all of these extreme quick fixes. But what happens is we totally glaze over the work that actually needs to be done on a deeper level, mentally, emotionally, that it's going to continue to pop up. It's going to continue to resurface, whether in that same particular area area, like in your business or your health journey or your fitness journey or in other places. And you can either look at it like it's the thing, this bane of your existence that just keeps coming back, or it's another opportunity for you to really like do the work and then be able to move on. Um, So that was kind of it. So first it was like writing the story down and then it was kind of spending some time sort of going back through and could I find patterns of either behaviors or patterns of thinking or beliefs Um, And then really just kind of sitting with that and allowing myself to process it throughout the rest of the day. And then um, moved into kind of writing the story about like, if I was literally going to pick up the pen and write the story about who I am or who I want to be in the world, what do I want to create? What do I want to build? What do I want to invite women into? 
it's like rewriting that. And then that just gives you this framework that you can continue to kind of come back to. And it's like, you know, am I living into this or am I still living into this old story? And I think like the biggest thing here is just when you do find yourself kind of going back to that old story that um, we don't condemn ourselves, we don't, you know, criticize or judge. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is just the more practiced story that I have about me. And you know, approaching it with curiosity. So I was listening to a podcast this morning and I can't remember who said it, but um, it's this idea of like curiosity over condemnation. So it's like, whenever you do slip into those old patterns, you have the choice of, I can either criticize and condemn myself and judge myself and kind of beat myself up, or I can take a more curious approach. And it's like, huh, like, I wonder why I'm still choosing to go back here. Or I wonder what else is maybe unresolved here. Or, and then it's like gently redirecting yourself into the that new story that, uh, that you want to be writing about your life instead. I love that. I absolutely love that. I love how you talk about us being in a hurry to just change. Like just, you know, and I, I tell my audience and my clients about the thought work model. And so to me, that's like, let me just change the circumstance here. Like, let me change how much I weigh. Let me change what my pant size is. Let me change my diet. You know, like, let me take the action that is just going to like strong arm my body into the result that I want. And whether we're, yeah, whether we're talking about our businesses, our bodies, our relationships, like, you're so right that like, anytime we just try to like focus on that one thing that's like in our face is not at least this is what I think you're saying is that like if we just focus on that one thing that's like showing up for us it's like standing right in front of us we're ignoring the deeper work that is really going to solve this problem in a deeper way and like Mm -hmm. solve it for good Mm -hmm. and then I loved um, what you talk about with curiosity too because it feels like when the condemnation comes up, it's almost like a shutdown of your of your brain in a way. Like all of a sudden it's solely focused on what's wrong instead of focusing on the why and that what's going on behind it. And so the curiosity is just like if this circumstance was neutral, right? Like if the fact is I just ate a donut or the fact is I miss sending out an email to my email list or the fact is that um I didn't sign this client you know then can we get curious about that instead of can we just start beating ourselves up and like blow right past the deeper like why did that happen and what can we learn from this and what am I getting out of that because I feel like every choice we make we get something out of it otherwise Mm -hmm. we wouldn't do it like we're either moving toward an emotion that we want or we're moving away from emotion that we don't want. So like, what's that play there? Like, what are we really getting out of that? And why do we want it so badly? And I just think that that is, that's brilliant. So I hope I didn't put any words in your mouth. That's just, <laughs> that's just the way that I like interpreted that. Um, I am so curious to hear. So I, I spent a little bit of time on your website and of course your um, Instagram bio. And I would love to know, like, what this concept of food freedom means to you. Um, And you also mentioned, you know, breaking up with dieting for good, which I think sounds lovely. (laughs) It will sound lovely to a lot of people. It certainly does to me. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that means to you? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, first I want to kind of touch back really quick on what you said in the sense of like everything that we're doing is it's constantly giving us something. And I think it's important to even slow down and recognize that even the things that you want to change or the things that um, maybe you recognize are kind of hindering you or keep tripping you up. It's just recognizing that there's a reason that you keep kind of defaulting to that. And part of it very well could be just that it's the habit, right? It's the most practiced behavior, the most practiced thought, um, the most practiced emotion for some people is like anxiety or self-pressure or something like that. So I think like just understanding that, okay, part of this could be that it's just the most practiced thing. And so I just need to intentionally practice something else, a new action, a new thought, a new feeling until that becomes kind of the new norm or like the baseline. But then it's also is spending a little time getting curious about what is it satisfying in you? Because I I like to look at it, right? It's like, there's the road of personal development and personal growth, which oftentimes the gratification comes down the road, right? So we have to endure the discomfort kind of upfront and sacrifice and be willing to walk through that, knowing that that delayed gratification is going to pay out for us, right? A flip side to that is that oftentimes like those maladaptive coping mechanisms, what that gives us is it gives us immediate comfort, but then we are just delaying the discomfort, right? Like we're still going to have to experience the discomfort. It's just, are we going to experience experience the discomfort while we're moving towards the goals and the things that we want to create in our life? Or are we going to experience the discomfort because we're not actively moving towards those goals, right? And those things, and we're just kind of staying the same, creating more of the same in our lives, whether that's around food, our business, relationships, whatever that is. So I just, um, I was actually just talking to my 10 year old son kind of about that concept, maybe saying it slightly different. So I was like, I just really, you know, it's like, we're always moving towards something like you said, and even the things that we want to change are giving us something. So I think if you can identify like what that is, that can be a huge insight so that you can be more intentional about creating that in a way that actually serves you rather than hinders you. And then uh, food freedom and kind of breaking up with dieting. So this was kind of a a shift in my own personal journey a couple years ago, just having the realization that the way that I was currently living my lifestyle was not actually like a healthy lifestyle. It was definitely more rooted in dieting. And I think like the, the main shift for me was just recognizing that it was less about the actions that I was taking and more about the mentality that was kind of driving the actions, right? So I don't look at somebody who is choosing to eat a certain way or exercising, and I'm not going to make the assumption that they're automatically dieting, but it is, you know, it's when you kind of dig in and you start to explore, like, what are the thoughts kind of driving this? What are the feelings that are, you know, leading you to exercise or leading you to kind of um, be mindful about what you're eating? And you can eat the same way. You can exercise the same way. One is kind of from that diet mentality would be considered what I would say is dieting. The other one is truly more of a healthy lifestyle. And unfortunately, I think that dieting has started to be marketed as, you know, a healthy lifestyle or as wellness, but it still is very much rooted in the fear and the shame around certain body sizes or the ways that bodies look. And to me, that's like another indication, right? It's like, if, if you're doing anything in your life, whether it's around food or exercise or your business, and it's rooted in fear, it's rooted, you know, that's kind of heavy with shame or guilt. 
um, particularly around food and exercise, then I would say that that is something that is still definitely rooted in kind of the diet mentality, diet culture. Whereas when we're coming and we're approaching, you know, making decision decisions around food or exercise, but from this place of like compassion and kindness and genuine love for yourself and love for the people around you, then you're going to have a completely different experience with food and with exercise. So um, to me, you know, food freedom is just really not having to think a whole lot about what you eat. It's not um, being ruled by calories or counting food or anything like that. It really is just eating in a way that feels like a very natural part of your life. Um, and then the breaking up with dieting is definitely, I think, more um, around the exploration of the mindset, the thoughts and the feelings that are driving you to take the actions that you are. And then it's the same as rewriting the story about yourself. It's kind of remodeling um, your relationship with food. Yeah, I really love that. What you're describing almost sounds like learning to trust yourself in a way, because when you think about like not over scrutinizing, like what you're eating and like not fixating on what you're eating or, um, you know, like whether you're working out or what kind of working out you're doing, it almost, it sounds a little bit like self-trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that resonate to you? Does that, is that on the right track? Yeah. And I think that you put that really well in the sense that dieting really works to take the trust out of our hands and it puts the trust in a specific meal plan or the right macro split or the right, you know, the quote unquote right number of calories for our body or, um, you know, intermittent fasting, I can only eat during this period of time or the opposite of I need to eat every two to three hours. And so it's kind of delegating your responsibility to take care of you to the diet, to the expert, to the workout program. And that really does erode our trust, right? Because, you know, one of the the things that we hear or that I really heard a lot in the diet world was all about hunger, right? It was like, you know, eat this to curb your hunger or to not, you know, essentially to just not feel hungry. So then when we are feeling hungry, we're like, oh my gosh, like something's wrong. I shouldn't be feeling hungry. I need to solve for this by oftentimes just not eating. Well, like your, the hunger sensation is just essentially like your body's way of letting you know, like it needs a little bit of energy. It needs a little bit of food right now. It's no different than feeling tired because you didn't get enough sleep. It's no different than having the sensation of like, I need to hurry up and go to the bathroom, you know, like with a full bladder, but we make hunger for whatever reason, this thing that we need to ignore or that we need to solve for. And so I think it's just looking at, yeah, like what are the behaviors that you're doing around food or exercise? And is it ultimately leading you to trust trust your body a little bit more? Or is it kind of eroding the trust of like, ooh, I don't actually know what I should eat. I don't know what's best for me. The reality is like of all the people that I've worked with, if I said, like, what what do you what do you need to eat to be healthy? Like most people have a sense of like, oh, I should probably eat more veggies, more fruit, um, you know, maybe get more protein or like they just have a sense about it, right? So it's not that we don't know, it's the implementation of taking what we do know and then applying it. But we can't do that without also kind of cleaning up the underlying motives, I think, for why you're doing what you're doing around food, because you'll just kind of keep in that loop of dieting of like the restricting and then, you know, overeating and all of those kinds of things. So yes, body trust is huge. And um, that is definitely a core of, I think, the non-diet work. Yeah. And I definitely see 
um, parallels in learning to trust myself with, you know, food and exercise and all of this. And also then in business, because Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're farming out responsibility for what you're eating, how you're moving, like what exercise plan you're on, or, you know, any of these kinds of things, I feel like that's also a sign that you maybe don't trust your own judgment in general. And maybe that's too broad of a statement. Maybe there are people out there that really just like, this is just the one area. For me, though, it's like a systemic problem, right? Where like, when I don't trust myself in one area of my life, I'm less likely to trust myself in other areas. So if I'm looking for all the advice on what to eat and what workouts to do, then I'm also more likely to be like, okay, well, somebody tell me how to market my business and somebody tell me how to attract clients and somebody tell me how to do X, Y, and Z, like whatever it is. I feel like it's this, like almost an over-reliance on external factors to like Mm -hmm. decide what's right for us. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just how it shows up in my life. But I really love what you say, um, just kind of about why do we think that like hunger is any different of a cue than the other processes of our body that we do trust, right? And that we would never ignore. Um, Hunger is just this thing that's like, oh, it's bad, or I need to be afraid of it, when really, it's just our body, like any other process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, along the lines of like self-trust, I think where it can be valuable to work with somebody like a coach or a trainer or something like that is the perspective that they can bring when they're looking on the outside, right? They're not in it with you. There's not the same emotional, I don't know if like investment's the right word, but like, they're just not in the mess with you. So they can kind of see from a little bit more of like a clear head about maybe what's going on and kind of point out things that you're not aware of. But then also, I think we have been kind of taught the model that we need to rely on experts or we need to rely on other people to tell us, to give us all of the answers. So I think that there is also this aspect of like learning how to eat intuitively or learning how to eat, trusting yourself, trusting your body to kind of guide you or lead you or trusting yourself to make decisions in your business that is a skill set that you have to learn because we've been taught, I mean, by and large, I mean, not everybody, obviously, but I think as a society, by and large, we've been taught that we don't know the answer and we need somebody else to tell us. And so I think there really is this, uh, there really is like this empowerment or the sense of ownership that we can get when we can kind of sit back and be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, you work with a coach, I'm going to work with somebody that can kind of help me see from a different perspective and maybe ask me questions that I don't know and to kind of teach me. But also I think, you know, it's like working with a coach, they're not necessarily going to give you the answer. They're going to help you build that trust in, in your body or with yourself in your business so that you can start to be more confident in your ability to make decisions that align with your goals, your values, and the things that are really important to you. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. I feel like, on the one sense, it sounds like what, you know, I was saying is like, don't ask for opinion, like, don't ask for advice, don't, don't ask for, you know, guidance from anyone else. But you're saying, like, as coaches, that's not really what we do. Like, we, I mean, sometimes in business, and I'm sure sometimes in nutrition, there is a right or wrong answer. Like, if someone says what has more protein, 
chicken or popcorn, like <laughs> there is going to be a risk there, right? Um, or if somebody asks me, like, you know, do I need a contract when I hire someone? Like, yes, yes, you do. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, the answer is somewhere in the middle. And it is really guiding the client to understand their own thought process to come up with the answer that is going to be most aligned for them. And that really serves them. Yeah. And, and people so just I think take, they take more ownership too, when it's their idea, right. Or when it's something that they have come up with, then it really, it does kind of shift the responsibility and the, the ownership back to you, which is ultimately like what we want to cultivate more of, right. It's, it's, you know, being an advocate for yourself, it's being able to take responsibility, whether you create the result that you want or that you don't, but that just kind of builds your confidence to keep kind of showing up to keep, you know, trying, even if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, because switching gears a little bit, but you, you know, you're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, um, you know, a coach, how do you because what I hear a lot of is like the time barrier. Like I don't have time for, um, you know, meal planning or healthy eating, or I don't have time to think about marketing. I don't have time to, you know, take this training or go to this class or, or whatever event. I'm curious how you balance it all. And like, how do you decide like what to prioritize? And like, do you follow certain routines or do you switch it up all the time? Like, how do you how do you keep it working? Yeah, uh, I definitely tend to be somebody who likes routine a little bit more. So I have um, kind of my morning routine. I'm not super rigid anymore about the timeline or the order. Um, I think that was kind of where I went first. Uh, that tends to be kind of my go-to. It's like I can easily go to the side of like being super disciplined, super organized, um, but to the point where it creates a little bit of stress and anxiety. And so for me, part of the work has been to like relax a little bit. Um, but with that being said, I like I still have the things that I do every morning. I get up. Um, for me, I spend some time reading my Bible and praying. And then I take the dogs for a walk. Um, I do a quick workout in the morning just because otherwise I have I feel like I have to go back and motivate myself to do it where I can just get, you know, 20 or 30 minutes done in the morning, then that's, that's done. And then um, I spend some time doing what I would call like my mental and emotional workout, which is definitely just like my own self coaching, um, things that I'm working through things that I want to take to my coach, um, things to process things like that. Um, so that's kind of my morning routine. And then in the evenings, um, I would say it's very simple. Like it's more just kind of doing a quick evaluation of the day of like, what can I celebrate? What can I be proud of today? What worked well? Um, what maybe didn't work good? And then what do I want to kind of switch up or try tomorrow, the next day? Um, so I have those kind of routines. And then I just, I do our meal planning and our grocery shopping one day a week. Um, and then I kind of look at, okay, what am I making? What can I kind of prep ahead of time just to save a little bit of time in the evenings. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the things that have been super helpful for me, it's like having a daily routine, having some weekly routine um, in terms of like, you know, what are the weekly things that need to get done all the time uh, doing that. But then, like I said, it's just about kind of knowing where your growth is. So if you're somebody who tends to be overly rigid, overly focused, overly disciplined, 
if you find that that approach is creating a little bit of stress and anxiety, whether that's around food or your business or your time management or money or whatever, then you might need to kind of pull back and just learn how, like, how can I relax and be a little bit more flexible here? And then if you're on the other end where it's like no routine, no schedule, no planning, and that's creating stress and anxiety because it feels like you're always having to make decisions. You're always thinking about things. Um, then I would say your growth is to probably start to implement a little bit of structure, a little bit of routine, um, you know, maybe coming up with a loose meal plan of like, this is what we're doing for dinners. This is the stuff that we need to pick up at the store. This is what I can kind of prep ahead of time. Um, so I think, you know, it's always, it's just kind of knowing like for you in that season, where is your growth um, specifically? But I would definitely say having a little bit of schedule, a little bit of routine is helpful. And then also just being super clear on my values and the things that are most important to me, because then I can kind of filter every decision. Like if I have a list of 10 things to do today, I can look at that and I can be like, okay, what, you know, what's going to drive the car like closest to the goal today, or like what's most in line with my values and the things that really matter to me. So um, definitely knowing your values and then having clear priorities um, is huge as well. I could not agree more with that, especially the part about the values. It's so crazy how for the longest time I went through life not really identifying my values. I mean, I kind of had like a general idea of where I was going, but not really. I mean, they would change from one day to the next or, you know, I would just find myself making decisions on a whim. And when I finally sat down and thought about like, what emotions do I want to experience the most? And like, what are my priorities like that don't move, like my non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. You know, like what comes first, second, third, fourth, fifth? It's it's really just kind of been a game changer and minimizing that, like, I call it decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. I know some people do call it that. Um, and it kind of ties in with the other things we were talking about too with making a meal plan or making like weekly routines and daily routines, just cut down on the amount of decision fatigue and like mental strain that you're going through. Because I believe that you have kind of a finite amount of that, that you, mm-hmm. that you can have access to on any given day. And so if you're spending so many of your, so much of your decision-making power on these little things, then when you have to, you know, use that mental and emotional capacity to make a better food choice or to decide to, you know, take a break from work and do a yoga session or whatever it is that you want to do, then you've already used up so much of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what to call, I don't want to call it willpower, but you've already used so much of that, like mental capacity that you're kind of at a disadvantage then. And you're more prone to like making decisions that don't align. Well, that I mean, that is actually in line with willpower. And that's why there's a lot of people like in behavior change and stuff like that, that they're really kind of shying away from or even debunking this idea of willpower of like, oh, you just have to exercise willpower. And a lot of it does come down to, like you said, the decision fatigue. It's like, how many decisions are you consistently making every single day in your business or in your life? And so by having a meal plan where it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. Great. I don't even have to think about that. Or even like with your wardrobe. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, and I know there are a few other people, it's like he wears jeans and a hoodie and a t-shirt every day. 
and they're like almost all even the same color. So it's like, you're not wasting your precious brain power trying to figure out what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? Um, you know, what do I need to do in my business today? It's like, if, if you could identify in any area of your life that you have a goal, what are kind of the key movers, right? What are going to be those, like maybe two to three, very simple, very basic actions that you can take day in and day out that are going to help you kind of chip away and make consistent progress. Um, kind of like you were talking about the coach that we both work with. It's like in your business, no matter what level you're at, no matter how much money you're making, it really does come down to, you need to get out there and just meet people, tell them what you do, and then put your offers out into it, um, out into the world. Like, obviously there's like a huge personal growth that happens as well. Um, and that's, I think is really what's probably more responsible for the up-leveling and the scaling. But it's like, if you had a personal health goal that you're working on, what are maybe the two or three things that you could do every single day that are going to be kind of those primary movers? And then it's like, you just make the decision, you stick with that. And then you're just making little tweaks to that along the way, rather than changing all the time. What am I eating? What workout am I doing? What time am I going to bed? Or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, okay, this is the way that I like to eat. This is the way I feel like I could eat for my entire life. So I'm going to do this and then I'm going to maybe just kind of make little tweaks to the amount of protein at a meal or the amount of food that I eat, or maybe I'm only going to drink once or twice a week instead of having a glass of wine every single night. So it's like, you know, I have a way that I eat kind of all the time and I don't have to think about it anymore. It's like, oh yeah, this is just what I eat. And then that's where it's like listening to my body of like, how full am I? How hungry am I? And then making tweaks that way rather than changing it up all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And before we wrap up, I want to know a little bit about um, the Stronger Way movement. Um, and I understand you have a podcast too. Can you talk a little bit about your program? Yeah. So the Stronger Way was just something that I, I don't, I mean, I can't even tell you. I don't think there was like an amazing story behind it. Other than I really just love and appreciate the differences that men and women have and that we can bring to the world. And I think that women exhibit just such a beautiful strength in their lives in all these different areas, like juggling all the different balls, doing all the different things. Um, And so that I think was really where it came from. It's like, no matter if you feel strong in your life right now or not, like you are strong and you have like this inner strength, I think that just comes inherently as being a woman. And um, so really like the stronger way to eat, move and live is just this idea of like um, finding that freedom around food, around exercise, creating the different changes in your life that you want to be creating but showing up in a more powerful way so that you can really like just do what you feel like you were called to do, what you were created to do, the thing that's in your heart that just lights you on fire. Um, I just have this, like just this deep belief that like every woman was created just a specific way with different desires and dreams and things that she wants to create and build into the world. And we just get bogged down, I think, with all of the different messages around who we should be, who we shouldn't be, what we should and shouldn't look like. And so I think really the stronger way is just about like shedding all of that and really just stepping into the fullness as much as you can of, you know, how you were designed and, you know, really just showing up in in your life in that way. That is so beautiful. I love that. So 
where can we find you and how, like, what does it look like to work with you? Do you work one-on-one with clients? Do you do a group program? How does that work? Yeah. So um, if you want to find me, you can listen to the podcast, The Strong Her Way. That's on all major platforms. Um, I am on Instagram at Alicia Carlson underscore. I'm on Facebook. Um, I think it's the same username. I think I tried to keep all that the same so that it's easy for people to find me. (laughs) Um, And then as far as working with me goes, I am still working with clients. I work with them on a one-to-one basis. Um, I really love just that time that we get to kind of be together and really dive deep into the things that are happening in your life. Um, And so, yeah, working with clients one-to-one. I enjoy working with them for at least a year, uh, sometimes more. There's just a lot sometimes to kind of untangle and unwrap. And it's just, it's fun to kind of see that as people hit goals faster and faster, like we just keep finding more and more things to work on. So um, yeah. So if you're interested, I guess, in the non-diet approach and you want to learn more, come find me on one of the social media platforms or um, tune into the podcast. We can't necessarily compartmentalize. So if you're noticing that there are certain habits or certain kind of consistent results or behaviors that are popping up in one area of your life, whether that's business or around food, um, that's just a good invitation to kind of get curious about, okay, how is this maybe showing up in another area that I was totally oblivious to? And then really like looking for the root cause. I think so often we, we go after the symptoms and we try to fix, like you were saying, like, even just using the wine example of like, you know, for me last year, I noticed I was drinking so much more. And so it could have been really easy to just be like, well, I'm just going to work on drinking less. But then I wasn't actually like really resolving what was happening. Like what was even kind of driving me to want to have a couple glasses of wine every night. And so if you are noticing that there's something that you want to change, just spend a little time, I think, kind of understanding why you do what you do. And you know, again, we already touched on that. How is it serving you? But then how do you want to kind of move forward and um, make those changes rather than just trying to fix the symptom in and of itself? Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I would say too, like, I, I used to hate this phrase and I didn't want to believe that it was true, but now I totally do because I've noticed that this is how it is for me. But, and I forget who said this, but the quote is, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And for the longest time, I was like, bullshit, no way. Like, that is not true. (laughs) But then I kind of took a real long, hard look at my own behavior. And I was like, oh, man, that is totally true. And so I really love that you brought that up here. And I think for like everyone listening, like, no matter what you're what you're wanting to improve on, whether it's something business related, something health related, something totally different, this process, like if you do it the right way of uncovering the the deeper reasons why you're doing what you're doing, which again are probably showing up over and over in your life in different ways, is at least for me was a scary process. Mm-hmm. I really uncovered thoughts that grossed me out. I was just like, you know, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Um, where did I get this thought? You know, it's, and so that's where I think working with a coach um, like you, Alicia, like, I just feel like having someone to like walk you through it and 
kind of keep you out of the shame spiral and the self-blame that can come up when you really start digging into your subconscious and into some of the themes and patterns in your life that haven't been serving you is really helpful because I do think that one thing that happens is we start digging and we don't like what we find and it's too much and then we come back up to the surface mm-hmm. we're like nope can't not not like don't want to dig today and then you really do yourself a disservice and that's I think how you end up in these cycles of falling back into old patterns and never like really excavating the real like meaty gross reasons why mm-hmm. you're doing something that's doing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's huge. And I think that you hit that right on where it's like, we, we can, we're like, okay, yeah, personal growth or whatever. Like, it's, it sounds like a good idea when you first get started. Um, and it's not that like, all of it's going to be heavy or hard. But the reality is like, there probably are going to be some things that are just so deeply entrenched in what you do and why you do it. And it it, it could potentially or very likely will be uncomfortable as you kind of dive in and start to explore it. And, um, you know, I think that's where, like you said, working with somebody can be super helpful because, you know, it's like having somebody hold your hand in the dark when you're afraid of what you're going to find or what's going to be there hiding and lurking for you. You know, it's like, I just think of that as my role. It's like, I get to be the person that's like holding the flashlight, that's you know, like we're holding on to each other. We're going in we're doing the work, we're, you know, going into those dark, maybe scary places, but it's not so scary. Like once you start to shine the light on it and it's definitely not as scary or as hard, um, when you have somebody else that's kind of doing it with you. So, yeah, that's a a wonderful metaphor, a wonderful way to explain it. And I think that's a great note to end on. Um, Alicia, thank you so, so much for joining me for this episode. Um, everyone listening definitely go check her out check her out on instagram go check her website out um she really shares some inspiring and very authentic material that i just think is um just kind of a beacon of light out there to a lot of people mm-hmm. so thank, thank you for you that so alicia much. thank you so much for having me